Welcome to Abiding in Christ. Acts 17.28 says, In Christ we live and move and have our being. This program is designed to instill in you that all your needs are met when you put Jesus Christ first in your life. Listen now to the Holy Spirit as a Bible teacher and host, Leisha Cantrell, reveals the Word of God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My life makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble unafflicted hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and required him of necessity and on the authority of his word, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked at him and were radiant. Their faces shall never blush for shame or be confused. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who revere and worship him with awe, and awe him and reverence him, and each of them he delivers. O taste and see that the Lord our God is good. Blessed is the man who trusts and takes refuge in him. O revere the Lord, you his saints, and worship him, for there is no want to those who truly revere and worship him with godly fear. The young lions lack food and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord by right of their need and on the authority of his word, none of them shall lack any beneficial thing. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The verb sought often suggests a diligent seeking. His cry and and his voice is what relieves our fears when we have that manifestation of God with us by the voice of the Holy Spirit. So in seeking the Lord, we're coming covenantally into prayer so that we receive the grace of God to overturn every negative thing in our life. And so it's diligent seeking, persistence, and perseverance. The fears that carries with it the idea of the terror that God's judgment brings if a person is not in his will. And this is what we are translated above if we are in Christ, is that we don't have that fear of judgment. And we don't have that fear of just taking whatever the world sends along. So we have that security of our rest in Christ. And to look to God is the same as seeking him, as, as the verbiage here goes, is that we seek him because we have natural faculties that we live on. We have to have faith in order to be with God. So it takes uh, a sequestered period of time and a focus and of getting into God's Word and that which deals with our particular situation. In the natural, we can understand through the spiritual as God moves and, and we pray and turn everything over to Him. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. And so we can be 
assured that in prayer, though things seem to be very impossible around us, that God is able to take us through that and that this is customary, that we have this. This is the way of life before we reach heaven, is that we have to remain in prayer and seeking God and being diligent to walk in his ways. So when we call out to him, we find deliverance. And so thinking back on his own condition, David refers to himself as a poor man who cried to the Lord. That cry was heard and salvation or deliverance resulted. The outcome was that he knew deliverance or salvation was from the Lord. And that's what we have to understand, is it comes through Christ. It doesn't come through storing up treasures so that we are prepared, although we can be prudent about various things. It comes, real deliverance and real salvation is in step with God. So it's by means of his angel, the Lord stations himself around his people as their protector. So we're not alone. The language involving camping and deliverance suggests a military situation, but whatever the precise battles in which David had engaged, the expressions here are general in character. He is reflecting on the fact that those who fear the Lord will find him in a protector and deliverer. Resulting from his own experience, the Lord, the psalmist, now calls to others to enter into a similar experience. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste is used here as in Proverbs 31.18 of discernment. She, the wife, sees Hebrew taste that her trading is profitable. In the early church, because of the invitation to taste and see, this verse was approached for use at the Lord's Supper. The reverence or the reference to knowing that the Lord is good fits in well with a psalm as a whole, which by its constant use of the divine name emphasizes the covenantal character of the relationship. It is significant that good or goodness are terms used in the Old Testament to describe the things promised by a covenant. Peter adapts these words from the Septuagint version omitting and see as not essential to his argument. First Peter 2, 3. The person who takes refuge in the Lord will know indeed the blessedness that he bestows on his children. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The expression, the fear of the Lord, is one of the most comprehensive terms that the Old Testament has to describe a true believing attitude to the Lord. It is the devoted reverence of a trusting saint. Those who do not trust him will find that he fulfills his word to them and that they will not miss out on any of the good things he has promised in his covenant. Even a powerful animal like the lion may go hungry, but none of God's children will lack food and all the necessities of life. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. The style now becomes very like the wisdom style 
of the book of Proverbs. The children addressed are students or pupils rather than literal sons, and the phrase is commonly used in the book of Proverbs in this sense. So the teacher is called a father. In the Hebrew text, verses 12 through 13, form a question that finds its answer in verses 14 and following accurately the question relates to the fundamental mean meaning of life and in verses 12 16 are quoted in first peter 3 10 through 12 to enforce the lesson that we must not repay insult with insult everything isn't just about protecting our own concerns or making sure that we stay above the turmoil because the other path is trusting in God and he takes care of those matters and we don't cause agitation on the way. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The life lived in the fear of the Lord is not just a state of heart and mind, but one that translates into action. It involves shunning evil and seeking good. Moreover, peace is to be sought as a harmonious relationship, and here it is largely relationship with other human beings rather than peace with God. He desires that his children will make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification, Romans 14:19. Jew and Gentile can both be brought into peace with one another through the blood of the cross. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The Lord keeps watchful guard over his children, and he is ever willing to heed their cry. The evildoers of verse 16 seem to be the righteous in name only, and against them God will display his anger if they set themselves to follow evil ways. The ultimate result is that they will perish from the earth, and no memory of them will remain. The language used here echoes the threat against covenant rebels of being cut off. An almost identical wording occurs again in Psalm 109.15. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. In the Hebrew text, the subject of the verb cry out is simply they. The context at first suggests that the subject would be the evildoers, but as the main thrust of the passage concerns the righteous, it is best to follow and understand the reference as being to them. As the righteous cry out, they invoke God's grace in a situation, and this is a mercy when it says that God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit because there are those times when things seem very overwhelming and we are not really seeking God but he still provides grace for us because he is merciful and while he is working on our character he at the same time does not want us to be crushed and and not be able to rise up on our own and take hold of things. So it's a covenant relationship, but it's not legalistic. It is a matter of love and of grace and of 
developing our character, but God is always ready to take care of us in any situation, and he's able. He can make all grace come to us in every facet of our life so that we lack nothing. He's, he's very ready to help. And this and other similar expressions are used throughout the Psalms to convey the knowledge that God is able to save his people from whatever trouble they are in. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. These verses are very similar in style to the book of Proverbs, as they both state general truths. And this comes to fruition in our prayer, is that God customizes grace according to what we ask, seek, and knock, because he's working with us in unity with the fundamental grace of the blood of Christ. Trouble is the storm and the norm for the life of the righteous, but there is another norm applying as well, which is that God is the deliverer. The third use in the psalm of the same verb to deliver places emphasis on the truth that God is the one who can rescue his people from whatever their circumstances are. Grace and peace to you. Many people like to get a fast response for prayer requests, so I'm giving you my post office box number so that you can send a letter and make a prayer request or send a donation that way. Write to Abiding in Christ Ministries, Leisha Cantrell, P.O. Box 460512, Denver, Colorado, 80246. You may also listen to the programs again and download them, as well as find contact information on 670kltt.com on the weekday program guide. Click on Abiding in Christ Ministries, Leisha Cantrell, and you'll be right there at my website. Thank you for joining me weekly here at Abiding in Christ Ministries for Kingdom, Covenant, and Mediator.